0: Hi, and welcome to Yokine Baptist Church. This is a sermon recording taken from one of our regular church services. You can find out more about us, as well as more recordings like this one, on our website, yokinebaptist.church, or by connecting with us on Facebook. Thanks for joining us today. We really hope you're encouraged by this message and that it draws you closer to God. And uh... Welcome
1: to our people who uh, are watching on TV. Those that can't be here for health reasons. Uh, hopefully, you'll uh, feel welcome here. Um, uh, and just re- yeah, just so just a reminder. You know, for those that are that are that are out there watching, that if. Um If you're a a member at at, uh, Yokine Baptist and you join us on Zoom for the AGM, you will be marked as as present and you can participate and we'll try and find ways to uh, involve you uh, in that meeting. That would be great. Now I have to remember, thank you mate, because I still haven't learned how to do some things on this new technology. Uh, I have to remember when I'm when I'm preaching from passages that have got so much in them and I get excited and I start to talk quickly my wife will sit up the back and remind me and then Haley will probably remind me from this side and I'll go slow down slow down so the deaf can keep up so works. <laughs> all right <laughs> So, like I said, next Sunday, we're going to do something special. We're going to focus on uh, the most holy of the Jewish feasts, which is the Day of Atonement. You see, Christianity doesn't arise in a vacuum. You know, Jesus didn't just appear one day out of nowhere. Everything that happened to Jesus and that continues to happen to his church today is a continuation of a very long story. It's a long story that, begin at the, that began at the beginning of creation. Uh, when Jesus was talking to a couple of disciples on the uh, road to Emmaus, he said to them, how slow you are to believe all that the prophets have spoken Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses, which is Genesis, and all the prophets, that's right through to Malachi, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. Now, when you came in, you would have been handed a little piece of paper, um, which is, uh, and there are several versions of this thing. Um... And on the back, it you know kind of it's got the picture of you know some different words that describe Jesus. And on the other side, it shows you a glimpse of Jesus uh, in every chapter of the Bible. So, like it says in Genesis, he is the seed of the woman. In Exodus, he's the Passover lamb. Um, in Psalms, he is the Lord my shepherd. In Micah, he is our peace. In Malachi, he's the son of righteousness, and so on. I'm not going to go through all 66 of them for you, don't worry. Uh, You can read that uh, yourself afterwards. Uh, And it shows that Jesus is part of a continuing story. The story of Jesus and the story of his church began from the beginning of creation. Now, let's pick it up from uh, verse 10. And... um, And and from verses 10 to 12, uh, Peter talks about um, the events of the last few years that the people have been experiencing. All right. So the people who were there in in the churches that Peter is writing to uh, were around. uh, Many of them were there when Jesus died and rose from the dead. Um, And of course, many of them now uh, in these churches were converted by those very people that saw and witnessed all those dramatic events. And so the death and resurrection of Jesus, the giving of the Spirit, the rise and, and rapid spread of the early Christian movement, all of these things were the fulfillment of an age-old divine plan that the prophets had only glimpsed. You know, they didn't always understand what they were talking about. They, they preached what God told them to preach, but they didn't always understand the full implication of what they were saying. And the reason they could do that was because they were speaking through the same spirit. Peter calls it the spirit of Christ who was in them. You see, the prophets knew that more grace was coming. More, more. Look at that. I can can use the words to do it twice. More grace. More grace was coming. Um, I I, I love that. I love the fact that the, the, the words are linked. More and grace because grace is an undeserved gift it's what the God gives us more and more and you can always ask for more and more and he'll always give that's the wonderful grace of God and so the prophets knew that even in spite of the, the wonderful grace that they'd been given as the people of Israel there was more grace yet to come grace that would rescue people from sin grace that would give us a new destiny and a new hope but when? when was this grace coming? The prophets had no idea. Would it be next year? Would it be in a thousand years time? They had no idea that when it was coming. We don't know when the fulfillment of all that God has promised is coming. We don't know when Jesus will return. But what matters to us is that it is certain. It is fixed and it won't change. The prophets knew this and this is what Peter means with, with, by the word hope. And we looked at the word hope last week. Hope is not wishful thinking. It's not just what I want to happen. Hope is a certainty based on the promises of God. And then Peter goes on to describe how awesome our future is. And he says that what's planned for us is so amazing that even the angels long to look on it. We read that the angels long to gaze on these things. So fasten your belts, the belts of your minds. Keep yourselves under control and set your hope completely on the grace that will be given when Jesus the Messiah is revealed. You know, angels had tremendous privileges. I assume they still do. You know, they are God's witnesses. They were right there at so many momentous occasions. And it seems like they seem to have this inside knowledge into what God is doing. Um, and, you know, they, we, would, we would love that, wouldn't we? We would love to know what's going on. We would love to know what God is doing. And yet for all that, for all that privilege, the, uh, the salvation story, our salvation story... Is something that even the angels marvel at. The future that awaits us is something they're just longing to look to. And so Peter tells us to set our hope completely on that future, on the return of Christ. Our hope shouldn't be on the the temporary and the corruptible rewards of this age, but in the promises of God, the promises that stretch all the way back to Genesis and all the way forward into Revelation. The promises of God which have always come true and will always come true. And the angels are excited to see what this is going to be. And if we are too, if we are looking forward in hope, then we'll be far less focused on the things of this world here. A man went into a a junk shop, you know, a second-hand store. I don't know, maybe he went to Good Sammy's where Catherine works. And he found this grotty old bowl. And it was something that obviously someone had used to put plants in because it was covered in dirt, it had a crack in it, it had a couple of bits of leaves still left on it. And it didn't look like much. And so they didn't put much of a price tag on it. And so he bought it and he took it home and he cleaned it up, and it was this beautiful piece of fine porcelain under all that. And he puts it in a prider place up on his mantle place. It's beautiful. It's just what he's looking for. But the next day, the owner of the bowl, the one that had donated it to the shop, came and said, I want my bowl back. I I want to use it for flowers again. And the man says, no, this bowl is no longer available. I bought it. Not only have I bought it, but I've cleaned it, I've worked on it, I've repurposed it, and I've put it to a much better use. It would be an insult to throw this thing back into your garden. And we are like that bowl. The key word uh, in this passage that we're about to read from verse 18 is the word ransomed. You know what a ransom is when someone kidnaps, you know. That means you're paying to get someone back. It simply means that we have been bought with a price. Like a dirty object in a junk shop. We've been used for all kinds of purposes that we're not really suited for. And God comes into the junk shop. He buys us. He cleans us up. And he uses us for a better purpose. So let's have a look at that passage. As children of obedience, don't be squashed into the shape of the passions you used to indulge when you were still in ignorance. Rather, just as the one who called you is holy, so be holy yourselves in every aspect of behaviour. Because it's written, be holy, for I am holy. You know, after all, that you were ransomed from the futile practices inherited from your ancestors. And this ransom came not from perishable things like gold or silver or the Australian dollar, but through the precious blood of the Messiah, a lamb without spot or blemish. See, that's what being holy means. It means we've been set apart by God for a special purpose. And Peter urges us to do that, to continue to make the decision to allow God to use us for his special purposes all the time, rather than the kind of things we used to do before we were saved. He's already told us in the early part of this um, chapter that we are not truly citizens of this world, but citizens of heaven. You know, we're just passing through this world temporarily. And he finishes by reminding us that unlike... A bowl in a junk shop, we can't be bought for a couple of dollars. The price paid for us was the precious blood of the Messiah, God's own son. That's why Jesus was sent. And that was God's intention from the very beginning. That was part of God's story that he started all the way back in Genesis. And unlike the bowl, which kind of doesn't know what it is, god always knew what the price what the value of us what what our value is he always from the very beginning intended to buy us at that incredible cost so you can go right back to genesis and you read that um how god said to the serpent i will put enmity or or hatred between you and the woman between your offspring and hers he will crush your head and you will strike his heel remember i said jesus is the seed of the woman Adam and Eve knew, just like the Old Testament prophets did, that God was going to redeem them. But they had no idea about when or how. You know, Eve thought that maybe her son Cain was going to be the Messiah that would redeem them. You know, she didn't didn't really understand. She knew the concept, but had no idea about the timing. But right here, God hints, God tells us that a descendant of Eve would pay a price. In that same chapter, we read that an animal had to die to clothe Adam and Eve. The price of their sin was blood. In the following chapter, we read about Cain and his brother Abel and how even though it's not taught to us in those early chapters, they obviously knew about sacrifice. They obviously knew what it meant to make an offering to God. And so right from the beginning, the ground was laid for the ultimate arrival of the Messiah and the price that he would have to pay. And God willingly paid this price for us. That's how valuable we are to him. There's a bunch of parables in uh, the Gospels. Where Jesus talks about salvation being really valuable, you know, like a person that finds a pearl in a field or a a person that loses a special coin and how valuable and they'll drop everything to go looking for it. And then Jesus talks about himself as being like a shepherd. And when one of us is lost, all he wants to do is find us. That's how valuable we are to him. All right, that's grace. There was a popular picture in ancient Israel when people were thinking about the way in which God would rescue them. Um, they, would, they would picture God going out like a farmer to sow seed in his field. And, uh, and like the parable Jesus told, sometimes the weeds would grow as well. But at the end of all time, the weeds would be thrown away and God's people would be harvested his true people, his real people, would be a great crop. Uh, And so Peter quotes from Isaiah chapter 40, and he says this, he says, "'You have been born again, not from seed which decays, but from seed which doesn't, through the living and abiding word of God. Because, as you see, all flesh is like grass, and its glory like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord lasts forever.'" This is the the word that was announced to you. So what is this word of God that lasts forever? What is this thing that Peter is talking about? Now, we might assume that it simply means the Bible. You know, we often talk of the Bible as the word of God. But when Peter speaks of this, when he speaks of the word that was announced to you, he's talking about the word that announces Jesus as the Messiah. He's talking about the the fact that right from the beginning, we have this story that starts and goes right through. And it talks about the Messiah's coming, about his death, about his resurrection, about the giving of his spirit. It talks about people from every nation being ransomed to new purpose in God's service. It's a word that goes right through the whole of the Bible. And Peter concludes this by quoting from a a simple passage in Psalm 34. He says, Taste and see that the Lord is gracious. Now, when Peter says this, um, we need to understand that Peter is reading from the Greek version of the Old Testament. And he uses a play on words here. Because... Like you might see in some English translations, it says, see that the Lord is good. But the Greek word that he uses is the word krestos. And it means more than good. It means gracious. So we're talking about grace, the grace of God. And so he's using a play on words. Because we know, of course, that the word for Christ or Messiah in Greek is Christos. So Peter says he wants us to remember this. So he puts this play on words, Christos is Christos. The Messiah is gracious. He wants us to remember that. Taste and see that Christos is Christos. And then he concludes, he incorporates this quote into a, uh, a very interesting little illustration put away all evil, deceitful, hateful malice, and evil speaking, as newborn babies long for spiritual milk, the real stuff, not watered down. This is what will make you grow in salvation if you have indeed tasted that Christos is Christos, that the Lord is gracious. Mother's milk is what's best for babies. Now, I know some people have to use artificial formula. That's that just happens but breast milk is perfectly formulated for the baby. Um, Margaret and I have been blessed to have five children and we eventually worked it out that's all right we stopped Um, but it's wonderful when you get a newborn baby and you see that baby just latch on and just drink and they just it's like they go into another place just the rapture the peace the contentment that they have It's just what they were made for. Peter likens us to that baby, all right? That's what we did today, the baby. That's you and me. Like a newborn, we will want more and more and more. And just as breast milk is perfectly designed for the baby, so the word of God is perfectly designed for us. Nothing can satisfy us like the word of God. We were made for it. And as we grow in Christ and as we continue in God's word, the spirit of God helps us to grow. And Peter tells us that this is actually a choice that we need to make. Earlier, he stresses that God has chosen us. That proves our value. And now he says, just as God has chosen us, we need to choose to walk in this way. Continue to choose the word of God. Don't choose those things that belong to the world. You know, look at all the pagans around you and the way they live and the greed and the, and the hatred and the violence. We don't need to live like that anymore. That doesn't help anybody. We weren't made for that, and we will only ever truly be satisfied if we allow the Spirit of God to work through His Word. Now, you wouldn't, well, I assume you wouldn't want to feed your babies, you know, Coca-Cola or beer or something like that. I mean, that'd be child abuse. And yet, (laughs) that's what it's like when you feed your soul with the things of this world. You feed your baby the thing that is most designed for it God's Word through His Spirit. Let me just finish this with a, um, a psalm Psalm 119. Uh, I won't read the whole psalm because it's like about 100 verses long, but it's all about the Word of God. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your Word. I seek you with all your heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The word of God is the perfect milk that we babies desperately need. Everything that happened to Jesus, to the church, uh, and to us, is a continuation of a story that began at creation. From the opening chapters of the word, God prepared us to be redeemed. And it came, that redemption came at a price, the blood of the Son of God. And this is a price God willingly paid because that's how valuable we are to him. God has ransomed us. He's cleaned us up. He wants to use us for a far greater purpose. That's the definition of the word holy set apart for god's special purpose we are valuable and we are holy peter quotes from psalm 34 when he says taste and see that christos is christos taste and see that the lord is gracious and like newborn babies once you taste that you will want more and more and nothing will satisfy And we do that by just drinking in God's word. As we do that, the spirit draws us closer to God and we are used for his purposes and for his glory. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, loving Father, thank you that you ransomed us from our old way of life. Lord, thank you that you paid a price that was just so incredible. That it just proves your love for us. And it proves how much you value us. And Lord, sometimes it is just overwhelming to think of that. Lord, next week we're going to focus on this whole concept a whole lot more as we look at, at your atonement. And how your atonement came through the blood of your son. Lord, that's just such a demonstration of your grace because we know we don't deserve it. We know we've done nothing to earn it. We know this is all your choice. And so we thank you, Lord, and we give you praise and thanks. And Lord, as you've chosen us, as you've cleaned us up from sin, as you've repurposed to use for your special will, we ask that you help us, Lord, through your spirit to choose each day to follow you. Choose each day to drink in your word rather than, the, rather than the nonsense and the rubbish that's out there that's only going to pollute us and harm us. Lord, help us, Lord, to choose to follow you. To choose to continue to look like that precious porcelain that every time that people would come into that man's house, they would see it and it would be beautiful, it would stand out. Lord, we want to be like that not because we want to receive glory, Lord, but because we want people to see what you've done in us. We want to give our testimony to people of how you've transformed us and how you use us, not because it says anything about us, Lord, but because it tells us about you and it reveals to them your wonderful glory. So help us, Lord, to make this choice each day as we go forward, to choose to glorify you, to choose to be set apart for your purpose to choose to drink in your word and your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
0: Thanks for joining us today, and extra thanks to those that have donated to us online. It's your generosity that enables us to continue our ministry to the local community and beyond. It's because of you that our ministry is possible. If you would also like to support us, visit ybc.church/give. You can also access our website to find out more about our community by visiting yokionbaptist.church or by connecting with us on Facebook. If you've enjoyed listening to this message, be sure to subscribe and share it with your friends. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for listening and God bless.